Welcome, friends. This is Dick Flax, your occasional host here on Inside Isla Vista. And uh, as very typically, we have partnering with me on the mic is Jonathan Aboud, director of the uh, Isla Vista Community Service District and chair of the Santa Barbara City College Board of Trustees. And I hope Jonathan is up for this conversation given a grueling meeting of the budget deliberations at the at the college, City College. Uh, hi, Jonathan, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm good enough, all things considered. Let's get right into this. It's the uh, situation in Isla Vista with respect to, and what is the name of the apartment complex that has been the scene of a mass eviction notices nailed on people's doors? What's the name of the complex? Yeah, it's technically three complexes with a name called the CBC and Sweeps. It's the, I think it's Colonial, Balboa, Cortez, and Sweeps. Those are the four buildings. So that's why they refer to as CBC and Sweeps. So this has a total of 242, as I understand it, apartments. Yeah. Uh, And uh, it was just very recently purchased for multi-millions of dollars, I think 85 or 90 million bucks, by a Chicago-based firm called Core Spaces, which appears to specialize in acquiring and developing private student dormitories, you might say, private student uh, living accommodations. I don't know what the extent of their holdings are. Do you know much about that company? I mean, it does seem like a pretty big company that focuses on these kinds of, this is what we've heard. Our county supervisor office um, of Laura Caps, they've been in touch with them and done a lot of research on them. So what we've heard from them is, you know, they, they go after these kinds of deals a lot, like student areas, apartments, they can flip like this. So this is a, a prime luscious opportunity, this being student housing right now in the real estate industry because i have a feeling the the sort of real estate boom that was happening around low interest rates and so forth when that came to an end and the interest rates have gone up uh looking for new investment lucrative opportunities student housing has come to the fore and i don't know anything more than what you just told me about this company but i did when it first uh, the news happened, I did look at their website for a few minutes and it's startlingly, you know, got this kind of corporate new agey language about how how much good they're going to do for the people who live there and for the people who work there. I'm pretty outraged about this. That's an understatement. It's a eviction on a scale that is pretty large, you know, to say the least. I don't think we ever have any such as such an extension. So what they did, as I understand it, step back for a minute, nail on everyone's door there uh, in the sweeps and CBC, an eviction notice, which specified some terms like 60 days notice or when your lease runs out, whichever is sooner or later or whatever, I don't remember. And they very generously said, and, and we will give you one month's 
uh, grace on your rent, something like that, as a relocation expense. These were all in English, but there are a number of Spanish-speaking households in this complex. I think there was, uh, what I've heard, some good deal of panic on the part of some people right away, thinking that this notice on their door meant that they were required to leave. And I wanted to say up front, that's not the case. There's no legal enforceability about just pinning a notice on your door. It's a, if you want to resist this, contest it, uh, going to court starts a process in which the court has to rule on the ultimate uh, eviction. And the eviction isn't really an eviction until the sheriff comes knocking on your door if you if you don't voluntarily leave am i stating what you know as well yeah so technically like you just said what everyone got was a termination of tenancy notice not an eviction notice it leads to an eviction you know if if it can comes down to that but it's technically not an eviction but that is you know the common understanding is they're being asked to leave or forced to leave which is what the common understanding of eviction is but legally yeah eviction only starts when the courts get involved and the, and the sheriff first of all what is why would this be done why would 242 apartments what do they say they're doing what does the owner say they're doing we don't know the full details we just know that they are claiming there are several renovation needs since they bought the building they did their inspections and there's different we don't know the exact details or i don't i haven't heard them about what exactly they're trying to repair or fix about these buildings the real intent appears to be to follow their business plan they you have an idea of how many people in these apartments are not students we don't know the split but we know that there's at least a thousand people there just because there's usually four to five people to one of these apartment buildings from what we know from just being in the community. So we know it's at least a thousand people with lots of kids and families. We don't know the split, like the actual break. So there are a lot, there are a number of families. There are a number of, as I said, Spanish speaking families. Yeah. There are people on section eight. Right. It is, it is not easy if you have a federal housing subsidy voucher, Section 8 voucher, uh, not easy to find a place to live. There are probably some senior citizens there, people needing protection. That eviction is particularly harmful for such people because of the physical problems of moving, but more importantly, because of the scarcity, the absolute scarcity of affordable rental in the, in the region. That there are a number of tenants not students that this is a, a maybe a somewhat unusual is it somewhat unusual kind of apartment complex in isla vista because it is such a mixed population yeah it? It, it is really diverse and that's the thing it's it's some of the cheapest one bedroom apartments you can find in the area it, apartments not just one bedrooms but they're they're pretty affordable right now i mean they're they're expensive compared to people's incomes but compared to other rents in the area they're cheaper so you know it's still an expensive apartment for a anyone who's living there but it's relatively to other communities and other neighborhoods it's cheaper so it's really like some of the most needed type of housing the business plan of core spaces and this is why they're doing it 
is to vacate the whole place so that they can change who is living there to student rentals. Student rentals are lucrative now because compared to other kinds, because how many students typically live in a two bedroom apartment, let's say? You could have five people, even up to six, because you can double each room and you can have at least one person in the living room, which I'll tell you, I've gone door to door in the sweeps at least a lot over the 13 years. And that's usually the setup is two doubles and one to two people in the living room. So in a typical, typical apartment in Isla Vista, what's the per person monthly for students? It's hard to say because there, there's so many different types of configure. There's houses and apartments, but you know, the right next door to these uh, CBC and sweeps, there's another building called the Tahitian, which is about the equivalent level of apartments, but I think it was recently bought and, and changed a bit. And the rent there is $3,500 for a one bedroom. Um, two bedrooms I've seen go for 5,000 in other parts of IV, uh, so 3,000 to 5,000. So typically each student would be paying like a thousand a month, right? That would be, that wouldn't be untypical. Yeah. Uh, uh, up to a thousand, you know, 800, 900 for a double, and, you know, that's not unreasonable. That's not, not, it is unreasonable, but it is not uncommon. Yeah. <laughs> So think about that, you know, you're you're renting out a two bedroom apartment for five people paying a thousand each. That's a much bigger rent for that apartment than you could get if you were sticking with families and working people. So what they're doing and what the purpose is, is to change the character of who's living in this housing, but to make it ex- really student housing. And this in itself, is a possible violation of housing law because housing is supposed to be available in general to people and to particularly take housing which is now generally available to people and turn it into something special like this uh, it, it adds to the crisis character of this whole situation i mean i'm no legal expert but i think there's an emergency here and the county County Board of Supervisors needs to consider uh, declaring it an emergency and passing regulation or undertaking action that can put a stop to this to, to in some way protect those tenants, slow down the eviction process, make it more acceptable for the needs of the people who are actually living there. That would be my, my hope, and, I, and we can get into what some of that would look like if you want to, but uh, does the uh, community service district have a, any any real role in this or any possible yeah. role? We have a main advocacy role and we passed a letter at our meeting last week that is gonna be presented to the Board of Supervisors tomorrow. And our various positions are, um, you know, just like you said, asking for a moratorium on these evictions in light of the housing crisis. And, you know, we even cite the California government code that declares there's a housing supply and affordability crisis in California. So we we are trying to propose that as one of the solutions. We're proposing um, funding legal counsel for unincorporated county residents so that they have, that's something that came up at our board meeting is these residents don't have the ability to easily get legal help 
And so this is um, a way to do that is to help the county fund it. And this is something that's been done in other areas. Um, our, the, one of the big ones, I think, is adopting the rent eviction uh, legislations. So, you know, requiring the developer to have their permits fully before they do anything, requiring, you know, a staggered timeline, requiring tenants to come back at their original rent if they relocate and more relocation assistance. Basically, our idea was uh, saying to the county that they should do something like this so that it disincentivizes this behavior in the future. Uh, basically, make it, make it seem difficult to future developers to want to buy the housing and and flip it like this because they'd have to deal with all these different regulations and uh, tenants who have legal counsel if right now none of these tenants have legal counsel or not none but most of them don't almost all of them don't and so yeah that's how we're looking at it and then finally we're asking the county to update their ordinance 4444 so that there's you know there's some loopholes that possibly could be exploited in this scenario that we've learned um and so you know clamping down on those loopholes but basically you know this is not a new thing in iv that's why there already is an ordinance that tries to attack the problem but um it's not the first time this has happened of a company buying housing that families live in and trying to turn it into student-only housing to charge higher rent and it Yes, and and it, it, you know if you don't put a stop to this, it could be just spreading not only in Isla Vista but throughout the region. Uh, this kind right. of mutation because there is a market for high rent uh, rentals. Um, students being one part of that market, and and uh, that's what some of these owners or new owners or corporate investors they're aiming for that high rent opportunity uh so uh my understanding is there's beginning to be a tenant organization in the complex you know much about that i know yeah, the other tenants seem to be meeting regularly i don't know uh, details about it but i i know that they're, they're so, meeting. So, so there's an iv tenants union it's long-standing and i assume they're helping with that and also the santa barbara tenants union Right, it's um, been involved. So there's a lot. There's a lot of. I mean, to me, it's a it's a great crisis. But crises often create opportunities for social change, and I think I've got this feeling that this is so dramatizes, um, you know, this constantly growing uh, commodification of housing in a way that is so threatening to people's ability to make normal lives um that that we're we're maybe on the cusp of some real change in how we understand and deal with uh you know property rights in this kind of circumstance people's people are living in some of these apartments for years right i've heard people living there for 15 years uh, how do you how do you coldly evict someone because you want to make more of a profit on that? Uh, yeah. who, who, for whom this is their home, they may not have a legal property right to it. But there's something I think in there's a human right. Uh, I grew up in, in New York, where there was strong tenant protection. So 
the idea that your renter does not, in, in my upbringing, my history, my, my background, uh, in New York, landlords didn't have complete control over, over what they could do to, with their tenants. There was a degree of protection. And that's how I understood things in my life. Very few people in New York, in the city proper, you know, actually own their, their homes. So, but that's not, you know, California is the opposite. Uh, people don't have this, uh, quite this understanding, especially people who are dealing in real estate investment as a, as a way of their life. So, um, I'm 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 worried about the county, I must say, because I think there's some, you know, a conservative legal interpretation would be those things you were recommending, they can be done, but they would not be able to be retroactively applied to this case. Uh, I've heard that being said um, about what the county staff might be thinking. Um, and I think we've got to just, I mean, just to be editorialized about this, I'm personally trying to urge uh, the county supervisors uh, that they need to make an emergency moves and that retroactivity is not something that you can define in, in straightforward terms. It, you, we started by you pointing out that what's on people's doors is a notice of termination, but not a legal eviction notice. So, what is the retroactive? Uh, why, why would it? Why there's nothing binding about that notice on the door, uh, and um, the, the notice on the door creates an emergency that has to be legislated. It's not retroactive. It's actually responsive to the situation. That's how I would argue this. I totally agree with you on that. That's how I see it too, personally. Yeah. And, you know, we're not lawyers, so we have the luxury of doing things the right way rather than the <laughs> legal way. Anyway, so um, on a more joyful note, Echotopia, that's coming up right away, right? It's happening this Saturday. Uh, and you know, IVCSD is doing our part in making it a safe event, which is, you know, we're getting restrooms out into the public areas like the streets and parks um, to have for uh, people to use. So there's a lot of public urination that happens. You know, we don't want the public urination to happen in the first place and people get tickets for it. So it's a kind of two birds, one stone keep the area clean and prevent people from getting into the justice system for something like that. And um, we're, we're going to be hosting an event at the little acorn park, right a block away from Del Playa to give out free food and water just to keep people um, medically and health, you know, healthy without having a overdose just to help them out. And, um, but there is, it is looking like it's going to be a pretty big event and one of the reasons is similar to what we just talked about is there's like some sort of commercialization of Deltopia this year where a company is trying to organize and host parties on Del Playa differently than what's usually happened in the past, which is it's just organic and people have their own gatherings and invite their own friends. And it's just a lot of them happening at once. Um, that's 
the normal that's what's normally thought of for Deltopia. But now a company I think started at UCLA um, called Poppin is you know charging tickets and organizing events and taking you know using the situation to make money um, instead of trying to make it safer essentially. So it's a problem. Um, you know. Back in 2013, 2014, when things got to a big level and there was the riot and everything like that, that's what some companies like Red Bull were doing. They were sponsoring parties. Um, but that's, this is like maybe just another step further. You know, Red Bull was sponsoring parties back then. Uh, but now they're actually organ like companies are organizing parties and charging tickets for them instead of just promoting them. So how does that they, they take over apartments or what what how do they do that's that? what it seems like they've made a deal with whoever lives there um not the landlord obviously i don't know i don't think the landlords know about this but they've probably made a deal with the residents to um to use their house for for the party so we don't know the specific the new thing that just started coming out about a week and a half ago but is that advertised somewhere it's on Instagram. What? They have an Instagram. It's on Instagram. So There's you've a, seen they, you've seen their 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 stuff on Instagram. You've seen yeah, it? yeah, no, it, yes, and it looks like a you know like a Coachella kind of style poster where it's like here's the locations and here's the bands that are playing at each one because they are using local bands and paying the local bands to perform. Um, so, I mean, they have a sophisticated system here that they're organizing it like, a, and they're calling it Deltopia Music Festival. So, so wait a minute. So this is in inside indoors or it's, it's um, at houses. So in their backyards, probably. So, so the noise ordinances apply, how do they apply? I'm not, the noise ordinance is not in effect until 6 PM, uh-huh. but um Ivy also has something called a festival ordinance that day, which is a little different. It's like the same, but different. It's more focused too on events, not just noise. So I, in my opinion, it does seem like this event is not allowed um, just based on that festival ordinance, since that doesn't, that prohibits uh, organized music events uh, that aren't sanctioned. So it does seem like this won't be a lot to go through, but I, I, I know that the law enforcement's aware of it, but um, yeah, the issue isn't, you know, that what I, from what there is going to be a increased law enforcement presence, like there usually is, but from how we see it or what we understand is they're not, they're not necessarily going after private parties that are being organized that people are having with their friends it's you know the concern is these commercialized uh, parties that from what I've seen too, lots of residents are very against this. Um, from what I've read on social media, is the people of Isla Vista aren't a fan of the fact that someone is coming in and commercializing Deltopia either. So, so but no one is no one is responsible for monitoring this whole thing or. How if they wanted to get a permit for There's this a process, if they wanted to, but they wouldn't probably get the permit. But there is a process with the county and fire department to get permits for events like this. But there, I don't think they'd be, um, you know, I don't think they'd get that permit. 
Well, you're talking rather calmly. So this is a situation where outside corporate, you know, commercial interest is doing an unauthorized event that could, whose whose outcome we don't know, you know, can't easily predict, but where there's a history of pretty bad stuff happening. Right. I mean, the problem with this is that it takes Zeltopia from being a neighborhood celebration, which is what, you know, what most people want it to be to um to yeah an event where we're we're inviting anyone can buy a ticket right who knows who's buying tickets to this and and finding their way in whereas usually the private parties you have to know someone to get in that kind of controls things a bit the fact that you can't just get into any party you can't just walk onto delphi and find parties usually you have to know somebody um so this is adding just a yeah more unknown element to things you know how many locations are involved i think it's like four or five and i I think they were selling about 1500 tickets or 2000 like they so what i've seen that's what i understand you know they have a website where they show how many people have said they're going or said they're gonna buy a ticket Um, but you do have to buy a ticket there is a whole i think it's 50 dollars or 30 dollars for a ticket. Well, uh, <laughs> the last, as you said, 2014 was not a pleasant experience. And part of it was because the whole, my recollection, and you were you were much more on top of this, uh, but I'll try this, you know, is that the, the, the police, especially trying to regulate noise ordinance, uh, inter, you know, may created a confrontation in a sense by being by cracking down on uh, on indoor parties, uh, and that led people into the streets in various conditions of inebriation, and that led to a kind of riot at that time. Is this, is this, right. I mean, what they did, what the police did extremely wrong in 2014 is that they didn't decide to crack down on noise until really late in the game. So people didn't know that that was the policy that day. And so it was a unfair, was a feeling people had is that there was unfair uh, implementation of the law. And they also did things like, you know, put up cameras on DP without any announcement or Right. Yeah. Community by so there were things that the community felt was happening that you know we had the police are just doing things without working with us or consulting with us, um, and there was no planning and there was no now that's so different. There's planning meetings that happen now that county and UCSB organize and we, everyone participates in. So there's a different situation now. But in 2014. It was just the police doing their own thing, not working with the community. And we, like AS, when I was in AS, we put out information to people saying, here's how things are going to be. And then the police contradicted that. A lot of these like conflicts helped promote the, the riot that year. So we're hoping that's a different, that people have learned from that experience and that this will go off without too, too much disorder, discomfort, and friction. I didn't realize when I said it was a more joyful topic that it would not be so joyful. <laughs> uh, and 
Well, more power to you, as always, Jonathan Abood. Our time is over for Inside Isla Vista today. I'm Dick Flax. I thank you to Jonathan for all that you're doing in this world. And thank you to Lisa Osborne, our intrepid producer. And we'll see you next time. Thank you.